Hello and welcome to the Women's Center's Wednesday Workshop, a podcast that shares helpful insight for survivors, community members, and service providers alike. The Women's Center is based out of Waukesha, Wisconsin. We welcome and serve survivors of all ages, races, gender identities, sexual orientations, abilities, nationalities, and immigration statuses. The mission of the Women's Center is to provide safety, shelter, and support to empower all impacted by domestic abuse, sexual violence, child abuse, and trafficking. Each episode will feature instruction on a healing topic. Today, our topic is, we are already complete, understanding interdependence. I am Aspen. I am a Survivor Advocate 1 at the Women's Center. And my name is Mo. I'm the Advocacy Specialist with the Women's Center. In society, specifically within pop culture, we often hear phrases like, you complete me, my world is empty without you, I have nothing if I don't have you, I can't live without you. You kind of get the picture, um, those and other similar phrases that are meant to show devotion to a love interest. In theory, these all seem like pretty romantic things to say, right? And some of them we borrowed specifically from love songs, right? The idea that someone is so in love with us and so dependent on the relationship we have that we're a core part of their life often seems like something that should make us feel good. Humans are social creatures by nature. We instinctually like being able to feel needed and wanted, especially by a significant other. But these types of declarations can be potentially dangerous and often used in domestic violence situations as a manipulation tactic to keep victims in the relationship. It's common for survivors to feel like they need to rely on a partner, even after leaving an abusive relationship, as the manipulation makes them feel as if the ownership of their sense of self is no longer theirs and has been taken without consent. Abusers will often move the expectations of things to create an environment where survivors lose their sense of self-worth and confidence, kind of like moving goalposts, if you've heard of that term before. The mentalities that can come from this include feeling like you can't be yourself, that your identity is flawed, the feeling that the abuser, quote, knows you better than you know yourself, and a lack of voice. This leads to a fear of being empty or worthless if they eventually decide to leave. This tactic of manipulation leads to a trauma bond between abuser and victim. If you're interested in learning more about trauma bonds, we have a podcast episode on that topic. The strong emotional attachment and enmeshment of the two individuals causes the victim to feel addicted to the relationship. The abuser can groom this mentality, that that us-against-the-world mentality, while managing to break down the victim. After leaving an abusive situation, survivors often face difficulties with trusting others, and that can make re-engaging with supports or developing new relationships in all aspects of our lives, not even just necessarily romantic ones, um, especially difficult. Rebuilding the ability to trust is rebuilding your sense of control that someone took away from you, which can be ridiculously hard and extremely scary. This work is especially difficult when there is often a stigmatization of trust issues within pulp culture and on social media, even to the point of it being romanticized. 
trust issues are seen as baggage or as someone being quote-unquote damaged goods. On the reverse side, we also see it called, you know, mommy or daddy issues, and that can be seen as something desirable in a partner due to the need for an almost childlike attachment. Speaking of attachment, let's take a moment to examine attachment styles a little bit. I want to preface this by saying that neither Mo nor myself are therapists or psychologists. We simply want to give a surface-level education on what attachment styles are and what they can mean. If this is a topic that is of interest to you and that you are interested in examining within yourself more, please reach out to a mental health professional. So there are four types of attachment styles. Secure, anxious, avoidant, and disorganized. Attachment styles generally are the patterns of our emotional responses, the attunement to our needs, and how we interact with our supports. These styles come from our experiences with our caregivers in early childhood. Many people might hear this and wonder, does this still apply to me? My childhood wasn't traumatic. The answer is still yes. Our brains don't fully mature until we're 25 years old, and this means that we're susceptible to negative effects from trauma well into our early adulthood. Our attachment styles dictate how we respond to conflicts within relationships, and this means that if individuals have conflicting attachment styles, navigating conflict can become increasingly more difficult. Our style of attachment can also affect how we heal from trauma in terms of being able to trust others again. Our attachment styles are not something that has to be fixed, however, but being able to understand what your style is and working through how it changes your ability to trust and love others can be beneficial and it can make it easier to understand how you want and need to receive love from others. Again, we recommend doing this with a therapist. It is possible to shift your attachment style to a more secure one through something called nurturance. This can look like providing comfort to yourself in times of stress, letting go of shame, guilt, and regret about our experiences with abuse. It's important to understand that our attachment style and the trauma we've experienced is never our fault and that healing is possible. Sometimes this means that we must sit with the discomfort that comes along with trusting ourselves. A fantastic way to practice healthy relationship building skills with our attachment style is by engaging with safe supports in your life. Again, I want to reiterate that if you're interested in processing trauma and the way trauma may have affected your attachment style, please seek support and guidance from a mental health professional. So, what is interdependence? Interdependence means being dependent on another while still being a whole individual. It is the belief that we are not half of a person searching for a missing half that they have to find in someone else. Having an interdependent relationship means that partners are complementing each other rather than completing one another. The relationship and connection to one another is something chosen rather than needed. With interdependence, you can grow with one another, not lose yourself in one another. Interdependence allows partners to create emotional intimacy while still respecting and appreciating each other as individuals. It's not exclusive to just romantic relationships either. It can be important to be interdependent while engaging with supports as well. 
a huge part of effective interdependence is having healthy boundaries with one another. There is a balance that survivors must navigate when setting boundaries with supports in all aspects of life. We must be able to set up boundaries while still being mindful of the differences between solitude and isolation, as well as the difference between support and enmeshment. Remember, you cannot control how others may respond or react to the boundaries that you set, but nevertheless, you always deserve to have your boundaries respected. Healthy supports will be able to respect your boundaries and encourage you to continue to advocate for your needs. Stepping out of traumatic situations means beginning on a journey of self-discovery while going through the healing process. These first steps are going to look and feel different for everyone. The things we may begin to take our first step towards include perhaps making a substantial change, grieving any of our losses, reconnecting with our own identity, and beginning to trust ourselves again. Beginning this process is likely to feel overwhelming, and it may bring up feelings of self-blame and hopelessness. You might feel lost at first and unsure about how to start. After abuse, you may even try to, quote, go back to who you were before the abuse. But I want to remind you that who you are after isn't worse. You're not broken, nothing is wrong with you, and you are doing the challenging work of healing and strengthening yourself. This healing journey is your journey. Take your time and find what works for you. There is no wrong way to start this journey, and it's important to remind yourself that even with the difficulties it may bring, it's worth it because you are worth it. As survivors go through the healing process, they may unfortunately face the hypocrisies that society pushes onto the healing of survivors. One example of these unrealistic expectations is the timeline of healing. If someone takes too long, they may get the question, why can't you move on? But if healing is perceived as happening too fast, then the credibility of a survivor's story can seem questionable. Another common one is people having opinions on reporting abuse with the conflicting accusations of ruining an abuser's life versus not preventing them hurting others. There are tons of other similar examples of these type of hypocrisies we could honestly go on for hours, unfortunately, that make survivors feel like that whatever they do, it's not the quote unquote proper way to heal in someone's eyes. We're here to tell you that healing is not linear. If you know other survivors and they look like they've progressed in a way that you haven't, that doesn't mean that you're healing wrong. Everyone experiences trauma differently, even if they've experienced the same trauma, like a collectively traumatic event. Um, we know that all forms of abuse and all forms of trauma even are traumatic to those who are victimized by it. And we're the only ones that get to define what that trauma is. It's important to not invalidate yourself and or others for what they went through, even if you feel like others have gone through more. Going along with the topic of healing, now's a wonderful time to address a very commonly heard phrase by survivors. You're, You're so, so strong. strong! Now, this phrase and the act of saying it to someone who has overcome a traumatic experience is not inherently bad. However, it is important to recognize for both survivors and supports that survivors are already strong to begin with. 
abuse and trauma should never have happened. And having to go through that is not what earns someone the badge of being strong. There will still be hard days, and that doesn't mean that a survivor is any less strong. Survivors still deserve support, even though we love to praise them as strong for getting out of an abusive situation. We have talked about this in an earlier episode a little bit, and it never hurts to have the reminder. If you are a support to someone, ask them how they want to receive support. Ask them what kinds of encouragement best fits them in their healing journey. To wrap this all together, I want to reiterate the title of this podcast, which is the core of what we have been talking about. We are already complete. Experiencing trauma does not mean that you are broken. It doesn't mean that you are incapable or that something is wrong with you. You are doing the extremely demanding work of healing and strengthening yourself. You deserve support from others, but with boundaries that can be respected and that allow you to be interdependent as you heal. It can be hard to manage situations where a well-meaning support does or says something that is harmful, but know that if something is not helpful to you, then it's okay to voice that. You deserve to decide what is best for your own healing journey, and no one else can make that determination for you. You are complete just as you are, and it's okay to remind people of that. And on that note, we are excited to announce a new in-person support group for loved ones of survivors. The Friends and Family Support Group will begin in the new year. We'll link to more information alongside this podcast, and you can also find more information on our social media. The Wednesday Workshop podcast will soon become a part of the Women's Center's Violence Prevention Initiative Convo, or Creating Opportunities for Nonviolent Outcomes. Convo is currently on Instagram, and you can find us at convo underscore twc stay tuned to our website for future episodes and feel free to look at our past episodes as well the women's center focuses our work in partnering with clients to overcome barriers and to gain a life free from violence our work is grounded in equity upheld by inclusion accountability self-reflection and continual growth we believe that it's important for survivors to feel seen and heard We believe that Black lives matter because we cannot end violence without addressing the distinct injustices that Black and Indigenous people of color face. We know that all forms of oppression are ultimately connected, and when we center individuals most impacted, we're also supporting survivors who have faced any form of violence. While we're not experts in anti-racism work, we aspire to be allies in this movement. We all have a responsibility to contribute to unlearning racism and intersecting forms of oppression that take place in our communities. If you would like to talk with an advocate about your own experience with abuse, please call our 24-hour hotline at 262-542-3828. Learn more about the Women's Center at www.twcwaukesha.org and find the resources mentioned on this episode by clicking resources, then podcasts on our website. If you're in the greater Milwaukee area, we also host an in-person Wednesday workshop on the second and fourth Wednesdays of every month. That is by pre-registration only, so please call the hotline and ask to speak with me for more information. Thank you so much for listening, and be well. (music) 